Praise God, praise God, praise God. Ushers, you can go ahead and receive the offering. Well, I tell you, I don't know if I want to preach, teach, or just start worshiping all over again. You know, there's just something that happens when you're in the presence of God, especially when we're worshiping. Uh, man, it's just amazing. I do want to talk to you about the Bible school before I get into the message for this weekend. Um, the Bible school starts this Tuesday night, okay? Um, I wish every person, every Christian could get into this Bible school, um, the goals that we've established for this, for this course of study for this year. Number one is to educate, to go deeper into the Word of God so that every area of life is affected. Number two is to equip. Many have an inward knowing that God has called you to do more than just occupy a seat in church. And this is your next step to fulfilling that call. I spent many, many years uh, in, in sitting in a, in, a, in a chair in church, knowing on the inside that, that knowing, knowing that, that the Holy Spirit had much more for me to do than to just come to church on Sunday and, and sit and worship and, you know, participate in some things. I just knew, I just knew. And there's many of you, many of you, some of you watching online, joining us this weekend, that you know there's something on the inside that's pulling at you. There's more for you to do than just you know, come to church and maybe participate and maybe even a connect group, but there's more, there's more, there's more. And so we want to give you the opportunity to start becoming equipped to walk that out. Number three is to enrich, to bring you to a place where you actually experience the treasures of the principles of God in everyday life. And that takes in-depth study in the Word. And so uh, I'm inviting you to please consider this. You got you to make your mind up this weekend because, of course, the classes start this Tuesday. And they will run, this quarter runs from March the 2nd until November the 9th. It's on Tuesday nights. It's two classes from 7 o'clock until 9 o'clock. There's a little five-minute break in between in case you need to use the restroom or whatever. Um, and listen, listen. This is extremely affordable. It's only $200 per quarter, Okay. That's eight classes, excuse me, 16 classes. There's two, two classes every quarter, eight weeks in each class. That's extremely affordable. And listen to me, okay? And, and don't sit there and go, well, it's easy for you to say this because you're the pastor, okay? I wasn't always the pastor. I wasn't always in the position that I am now, okay? Uh, this is how we have lived our lives. I'm talking about my wife and my family. I know many of our leadership have lived this way. This is the way that I have followed the Spirit of God uh, for the past 30 years at least. Never let money be the determining factor to whether you're going to obey God or not. Amen. You take the step. If God wants you there, you take a step, and he'll, and he'll make sure that you get what you need. Because some of you are sitting right there, yeah, well, I would go if I had the money. No, you start taking steps. Maybe you have enough just for the application fee. Take that step. I'll tell you a quick story. I don't want to belabor this, but I'll tell you a quick story. Many, many years ago, I wanted to attend a local Bible school. This was before we went to Bible school out in Tulsa. And I had this strong desire. I even had people in the church come to me and say, you know, you're supposed to be going to Bible school. I said, yeah, yeah, I know. I just, you know, we had been in bankruptcy. I had four kids to take care of and a wife. 
you know, you, you, you have to put your priorities first. But I had this strong, strong desire. Now, I needed to get my paperwork and my money in on a Monday. I prayed on a Friday. On Sunday after church, we took a ride up north to see some of our family and relatives. And an uncle of mine came up to me and said, I was driving down the street, and I saw a bag laying on the side of the road. True story. He said, I pulled over. Here's a bag full of cash. He said, and I believe God told me I'm supposed to give you this amount of money. It was exactly what I needed for the Bible school. Now, I'm not saying it's going to happen exactly that way. I could have never anticipated that. But I'm telling you this. Strong desire creates expectation in your life. Don't ever say, well, I can't do that because I can't afford it. How do you know you can't afford it? You don't know what God has on the way. How do you know you can't afford it? Take a step. God will take a step. Amen? Amen. Praise God. I, I, pray, I pray in Jesus' name that every person that's listening to me right now, every, and listen, those of you that are watching online, you don't have to be a member of this church to come to the Bible school, okay? If you have friends that have a desire to want to go, they can come, but you've got to get in this weekend because the classes start on Tuesday night. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise God. And uh, yeah, I'll go ahead and say that, yeah. If there are those of you that are here that you don't necessarily have the desire to go, but you want to sponsor somebody to go, you come and see us after the service, okay? You, if you want to sponsor someone, uh, if you want to, whatever, put $50, $100, if you want to pay the whole thing, pay the whole thing, praise God, okay? And we'll make sure that it gets to the people that need it. Amen? Good. That's a good, that's a good investment of your money. Amen. I said amen. amen. Okay. You ready? On the first weekend in April, we're going to be once again celebrating the most remarkable event in human history, and that is the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? But, you know, we're not like the world. We're not like the people who just, uh, you know, Easter sneaks up on them. We're not going to let that happen. We're going to prepare our hearts. We're going to prepare ourselves so that when we come to that Easter weekend, I think it's, what, five weeks away? We're going to be prepared. Our soul is going to be prepared to celebrate the resurrection. And I pray for many of you that this particular year, the celebration of the res resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is impacting, just impacts your heart and changes you for the future. Last year, due to the virus, we were forced to celebrate uh, Easter online. This year, thank God, we'll be celebrating together both in person and online in all three campuses, in Bayville, in Brick, and in Walt Township. Amen? We'll have some more details for you next week as far as times in each different location. Now, when I took the time to sit down and give some thought and prayer about what direction to go in this, in this season, I kept hearing the phrase, prepare either way of the Lord. Prepare either way of the Lord. And whenever I hear that or whenever I read that phrase, I can't help but think about John the Baptist. That was his main ministry. His main ministry was a ministry of preparation. In Mark chapter 1, verse 1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written by the prophets, behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. 
The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Verse 4 says that John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. He preached a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. In other words, baptism of preparation. Then all the land of Judea and those from Jerusalem went out to him and were all baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins, confessing, getting ready, preparing their hearts for the one who was to come. Now, John was clothed with camel's hair and with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. I guess that was the new phase back then, or fed, if you're going to say. I guess it was called the John the Baptist diet. And he preached, saying, there comes one after me who is mightier than I, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to stoop down and loose. I indeed baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Thank God, thank God, thank God. See, John, John was not your typical preacher. He was kind of an oddball. And honestly, he needed to be that. By virtue of his message, he was almost forced to be different because the message he preached was not always welcome, not always comfortable, but was definitely always needed. His was a message of preparation. Get ready. He's coming. Do whatever you have to do to get yourself ready. That was John's message. Get ready, get ready, get ready. Turn to somebody, type it in online there. Turn to somebody, say, get ready, he's coming. Now, 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 now let's say it like you really mean it. Get ready. He's coming. Now, John was quoting from Isaiah chapter 40, starting in verse 3. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. It's not only flowery symbolic wording or language. You see... I'm going to need you to really, to really press in and listen to what I'm going to tell you here. Okay, the people who read this or heard this in ancient times, they totally understood what the prophet was referring to. This was more than symbolic language. In ancient times, when a king or a dignitary was going to visit a specific area, the people of that area were given time to prepare. Because of the love and the respect that they would have for that king, the people would work day and night to prepare the road that the king would be riding on. If the road was in disrepair, it would be meticulously restored so that the king or queen or dignitary would have the safest, smoothest ride possible. In other words, it was an act of respect and honor. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted. Every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight. And the rough place is smooth. Every pothole, every bump, every obstacle removed as an act of respect. So the greater the respect, the greater the preparation. Turn to somebody and say, prepare the way. Prepare. History tells us that even up until the late 1800s, we have examples of this practice. 
When Sultan Abdul Hamid II of the Ottoman Empire was told that the German Emperor Kaiser Wilhelm and his wife wanted to visit Jerusalem, hundreds of workers were ordered to immediately begin work to restore the road between Jaffa, modern-day Haifa, and Jerusalem as an act of respect for that emperor, for the fact of how far he would travel. Time spent in preparation as a means of measuring the value we place on that which is expected. I'm going to say that again. The time that you and I spend in preparation is a means, a gauge to measure how much we value that which we're expecting. Let me share something with you. Our family know this. Our staff knows this. Our friends know this. At our house, when there's a special occasion or a holiday, we will spend time coming up with a menu. We'll sit down. I'll pester my wife for weeks. Come on, let's sit down. Let's figure this out. She'll, all right, we got time. No, let's figure this out. Okay, so we sit down together and we start, okay, what, what do we want to cook? What kind of meal do we want to serve? What are we going to do? And then, and then we'll say, okay, well, who's coming? Let's make sure that we're making stuff. Let's not make sure, you know, make sure we're not making stuff that whoever's coming is going to go, I don't really eat that. You say, well, 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 if you like it, well, it doesn't matter. It's not about me. It's about my guests. It's about those that are coming. Why? Because we want to honor those that are coming to our house. Amen. Are you getting this? Listen, 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 okay? Uh, we'll talk about, well, what do they like to eat, okay? Uh, I've even gone to the extent of preparing seafood for people that come to our house. We don't eat seafood. I know. Go ahead, say, you're the only Italian in New Jersey that doesn't eat seafood. <laughs> I don't eat seafood. My wife doesn't eat seafood. Some of our kids do, but they picked it up on the outside. <laughs> but if we know that somebody's coming to the house and they like seafood, then we'll go ahead and I won't eat it, but they'll eat it. I put it at the other end of the table so I don't have to smell it. <laughs> what kind of desserts do they like? And what time is, is best for everyone? You know? So that when we sit down, we'll make a shopping list, and it'll be detailed what's needed for each, each dish. Then we'll talk about, as we get closer to it, I'm not exaggerating, you can ask my wife, because I'm a little particular when it comes to this kind of stuff. Having been in the restaurant business for so many years. And sometimes this, prep, this preparation will, will begin weeks, weeks ahead of time. And we'll talk about which tablecloth we're going to use, which dinnerware we're going to use. Uh, which serving dishes. And then a day or two before, I'll start lining up this because I like everything prepared. I do not like chaos in the kitchen. And everybody who cooks said, amen. amen. Why do we go to these kind of... And I'll even set the table two, three days ahead of time. Um, am, I, am I exaggerating? Okay. You say, man, he's, does he have anything else to do? <laughs> Why? Because we want our guests, we want our family to feel honored. We want them to feel special. It's with that heart and with that attitude and with that mindset that I want us to really press in in this series that we're starting this weekend. Why? Because when we come to Resurrection Sunday, when we come to that Easter weekend, we want, we want Jesus to know that we appreciate what he's done. Amen. We want Jesus to feel respected and honored. Amen. Why? When I was 17 years old, 
I've told this story before. When I was 17 years old, I happened to spend Easter in Italy, my father's hometown. And Easter there is ridiculously, just extravagantly celebrated. The entire town takes part in the celebration. And it kind of, because I'm, like, I'm comparing, you know, I was born here, but, you know, my roots are there. And I'm like, well, this is weird because in the United States, Easter is like Easter rabbits, Easter eggs, chocolate things, you know. And, and I said to one of my relatives, and I wasn't born again yet, so this wasn't, you know, I remembered years later the comment that was made. I said to one of my relatives, you know, this is, you know, it's different here. You guys celebrate Easter way more than you celebrate Christmas. Where we are, we celebrate Christmas bigger than Easter. I said, how come Easter celebrated more here so spectacularly? He said, well, anybody could be born, but there's only one that came back from the dead. I was like, okay, well, yeah, that sounds good. It makes sense, you know? So prepare ye the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted. Every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight. And the rough places smooth. And you know, church, many times our lives, our hearts, our souls are just like those old beat-up highways. Full of potholes, left by wounds, left by hurts. Sin devastates our, our lives, leaves scars. And some of us have major obstacles in the way of our hearts. And they, those obstacles rob us of our spiritual growth. I want to talk about some of these obstacles because, you see, it's our response. I can't do it for you. You can't do it for me. You've got to make your highway for the Lord. I've got to make mine. I've got to smooth out the rough places. I've got to let God show me the potholes that need to get filled in. I need to bring those wounds that are gaping, that are, that are sapping the life. I've got to bring them to him. So that when the presence of God comes and, and, and he presents himself to our lives, that we don't miss out on it. One of the major obstacles is the obstacle of ignorance. God may be wanting to make us aware of his presence, but we just didn't know that he really loved us that much. And so you might sit there. You might be sitting there right now and saying, well, you know, you don't really know what my life has been like. You don't know the things that I've done. You don't know what I've been involved. You don't even know what I'm involved in right now. How's God going to love me like this that he would actually allow me to experience his presence? But he does. And the sad thing is, some of us could be standing right in the midst of his presence and yet feel completely alone and unimpacted. When we were in Bible school many years ago, there was a, a specific move of God that was going on, uh, not only in that place, but many places all around the country. I'm talking uh, 95, 96, 97. And we experienced things at that Bible school that we had not seen before in the local church that we were here. It hadn't been part of our experience yet. And so we would go to specific meetings that they would have, especially this time of the year in February, 
thousands and thousands and thousands, upwards of nine to 10,000 individuals would come to the campus there. Pastor Rick knows exactly what I'm talking about. He was there in those years. And, and there would be uh, what was called Holy Ghost meetings, where we just got together, you worship God, and then the Spirit of God would take over. And, and, and the presence of God would be so heavy and so thick and so, I mean, you felt like you could reach out and just touch him. The presence of God would be there. And people, people, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit would move and divine holy laughter would hit people. And people would laugh for, for, for 10, 15, 20 minutes. Other people might be weeping. Some people would just fall out in the presence of God. But then there would be those that would stand there like this. And I would watch. I remember one specific time watching from the balcony and watching and going, my God, the presence of God is here so strong. But it seems like there's certain individuals all over, the, the, all over that sanctuary, all over that auditorium that were not impacted. They didn't even know. And honestly, to be truthful, it took us a while. The first few times of being in that atmosphere, in that presence, I wasn't picking it up. Why? Because I was ignorant of the fact that the presence of God, he desires to be in your life and my life way more than we do. And he will go to any lengths possible, like that song we sang earlier. He'll go to any lengths possible for you to grasp the realization that he's surrounding you, he's in you, he's on you. You know, Jacob in the Old Testament, after he tricked his brother Esau out of his inheritance... Jacob was in big trouble and was forced to flee. He had to run. While in the wilderness, Jacob had a dream of a ladder that went from heaven to earth, and angels were busy going up and down this ladder. We pick up in Genesis chapter 28, verse 13. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, the God of Isaac. The land which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. And look at verse 16. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. That's powerful. We never want to put ourselves in that position. We, ne- we want to be sensitive. Say this to me. I want to be sensitive to the Spirit of God. I want to know when the Holy Spirit is active. When our souls are overwhelmed, when we're troubled, we might miss out on God's reassurance and his presence. We could feel like We've been thrown into this pit of despair. God doesn't want us to stay there. God doesn't want you to stay in that pit. God doesn't want you to stay in that condition of being overwhelmed. Get up. Climb out of that thing by faith and let him know that you're there. Let him know that you want to experience his presence. Let me tell you something, church. One of the greatest times to do that is during worship. During pre- Don't ever come to church with the attitude of, okay, we're going to sing a couple of songs and now I'll hear the message. Amen. No, praise and worship time is the most important time of the service. Amen. If it was up to me, I would just worship the whole time. That is the time that we reserve and we consecrate unto him. 
Praise and worship is not for you and I. Praise and worship is for him. It's to bless him. It's to bring glory to him. It's to satisfy God's needs. Amen? And then he, in turn, blesses us by he inhabits the praise of his people. Amen? We think that it's worth the time to prepare our hearts and our souls in such a way that when Resurrection Weekend is here, that we've made a path in our heart prepared for a fresh revelation of Jesus' sacrifice. The first time I ever walked into a Christian church was on Easter Sunday, 1984. Tiny little church, not too far from here. Packed, packed with people. Just worshiping God. I'd never had an experience like that. Didn't know what was going on. You know, I come from a Roman Catholic background, you know. You sit, you stand, you sit, you stand, you sit, you stand, you sit, you sit. That was our version of, of the Zumba class. <laughs> I don't mean that in a mocking way. It's just that was, you know, that's what I was used to. So I walk in this place, and people got their hands raised, and they're singing. people were singing out loud. Not like us. We waited for the lady up in the balcony with the organ, and she sang. We all sat there and listened. But, man, it didn't take me long to get, to get into that. I knew, man, these people, I'll never forget that day. I stood there and went, man, these people have something that I have not experienced yet. Amen. People speaking in languages that I had never heard before. Shouting, who's running? Who's jumping up and down? I'm like, man, either they're crazy or this thing is real. Guess what I found out? It's real. Yeah. Hallelujah is right. Now, we understand that expectancy is the evidence of faith. You have no expectation, that means you have no faith. I love when we come together. And, 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 and this is one of those times. I sensed it as soon as we walked in here. That, that you can sense the electricity in the room. You can sense it. And you know what that is? That is the expectation of the people. Amen? We can do everything we want up here. We can jump up and down, spit, run, everything else. But if you don't cooperate and if you don't come here with expectation, guess what? Very little is going to happen. Very little is going to happen. So we cooperate. You come here expecting, we'll make sure that we do everything we need to do. Amen? Another obstacle that could rob us from the reality of God and one of those potholes, one of those ditches that needs to get filled in if we're going to prepare a way for the Lord is spiritual dullness. Spiritual dullness. Matthew 26, verse 36, when Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, which is James and John. And he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed, talking about Jesus. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. And he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Verse 40, then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What, could you not watch with me one hour Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. 
And again, a second time, he went away and prayed, saying, oh, my father, this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it. Your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Look at this, look at this phrase. Look at this phrase. Behold, the hour is at hand. The Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And the entire process began of Jesus going to the cross. But look at this. I want to bring your attention back to that phrase. Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand. Would you say that with me nice and loud? Behold, the hour is at hand. And let me tell you what's happening right now. Right now in 2021, the majority of the church is sleeping and resting. And behold, the hour is at hand. And if we're not watchful and if we're not careful and if we're not alert and if we don't stir ourselves up, we're going to miss out on the greatest time in human history. And I, for one, I'm not going to miss out on it. Whoever wants to come, you're welcome. You're listening? Greatest time in history. Greatest time to reach people. Greatest time to preach the gospel. Greatest time to allow the Holy Spirit to move through you and to meet the needs of the lost, the oppressed, the beat down, the confused, the ones that are paralyzed with fear. They were so spiritually dull that they didn't even recognize what was transpiring. Jesus is trying to tell them throughout the supper what was coming, but they were too preoccupied with other things. And the same thing happens to us if we're not careful. Jesus may be wanting to speak something to us by his spirit, but we get our minds and our hearts cluttered with too many things and we miss out. Miss out on what? The preparation for what's coming next. It's not time for us to just roll over and play dead. It's not time for us to be passive. It's, it's time for us to pray like our lives depend on it because guess what? They very well may. Peter was snoozing away. Three times Jesus had to wake him up. And three times Peter fell back to sleep. Peter was unprepared for what came next. Peter, listen to me. Peter was unprepared for what came next. And we see the evidence of it. What happens next? As soon as this happens, the next thing that happens, the soldiers come to arrest him. Because Peter was sleeping, Peter was snoozing, Peter was in slumberland. Instead of responding from from, from, from the nature of God, he reacts. What's he do? He grabs a sword and cuts off a guy's ear. Peter, come on, what are you thinking? And Jesus said to him, what are you doing? What's the matter with you? And what does Jesus have to do? He picks up the ear, restores it back to that man. The man is completely healed. But Peter reacted in the flesh. Peter reacted out of his nature. Cut you up. Now, maybe, maybe, okay, maybe if Peter had been awake, if Peter had stirred himself up, you know, in our younger years, my wife and I used to travel down the shore here a lot. And for some reason, I've never been one to drive for hours. I get tired. 
I start falling asleep. Okay? And I would say to her, now this would be 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. We'd be driving back up north from coming from Seaside, you know? And I would say to her, wake me up, shake me. Then I got to the point where I got smart, and I would pick an argument with her. <laughs> I would pick a fight. So, she would, so we'd be arguing back and forth. She'd be yelling at me. I'd be yelling at her. Why? Because I knew if I'm yelling and screaming and arguing, I'm not going to fall asleep. So maybe if Peter had, had said to maybe James, hey, James, you stink as a fisherman. Maybe they would have started fighting, started arguing. He would have been awake. He would have realized what was happening. It wouldn't have taken by surprise that that poor man wouldn't have suffered. Say, well, he got healed. Yeah, but it hurt. It hurt. Plus, you imagine what Peter looked like around the other guys? The other guys said, oh, here he goes again. Man, I can't believe this guy. When we sleep and we slumber and we're in dullness, we are not prepared for what's coming next. Listen to me, okay? You have the Holy Ghost in you. I got the Holy Ghost in me. Listen to me, because some of you are not going to agree with this, but listen to me. Nothing should ever take us by surprise. Why? You got the Holy Spirit inside you. He knows everything. Nothing should take us by surprise. And honestly, if we would be transparent with each other and be honest with each other, when things do appear like they're sneaking up, if you really sit down and say, and I've tried this time and time and time again, I've said to individuals, now tell me the truth. Over the past couple of weeks, did you get any kind of an inkling on the inside? Yeah, I did. I had a feeling something was coming. I had a feeling something was coming. Nothing should take us by surprise. Why? Because we've got the Holy Ghost in us. He's the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation. He, there's nothing he doesn't know. And he's constantly speaking to us. But are we listening? Shake off the dullness, church. Shake off the slumber, Christian. Wake up. Wait, turn to somebody and say, wake up. And I don't mean just physically. Wake up spiritually. Get your ears and your antenna up there, your spiritual antenna. It robs us of the equipment that God may want to deposit in us. And then we walk through life completely unprepared because we did not prepare the way for the Lord. We slumbered when we should have been awake. Come on now. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness because that'll make you dull. Oh, you're going to go there? Yeah, I'm going to go there. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all the things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, the Holy Ghost, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools but wise. I've never seen a time in my life when I've seen more zombies walking around. People just dazed and confused, like Led Zeppelin used to say. <laughs> dazed and confused. Walking around with the mouth open, completely unaware. I have never seen a time when there's been more Christians that have absolutely no discernment and just live their life like whatever comes along. Not good, not good, not good, not good. 
He goes on to say in verse 16, he said, walk circumspectly, circumspectly, redeeming the time because the days are evil. In other words, they're fleeing. The days are going by quicker and quicker and quicker and quicker. Therefore, do not be unwise. That was a nice way of him saying, don't be stupid. (laughs) But understand what the will of the Lord is. What is the will of the Lord? That we'd be awake. That we'd be spiritually alert. That we'd have our spiritual radar on the inside. Circumspectly means cautious, alert, aware, paying attention to detail. In other words, stop walking around like a dummy. Open your spiritual eyes and stop being lured into slumber by the darkness that's around you. Get the big picture. Keeping your eyes open and alert on God is like looking at the cover of the puzzle box. I don't ever want to do a puzzle unless I have the cover right there. Why? Because that shows me, that gives me the big picture. I just wish I knew what God was doing. You can know what God's doing. I wish I knew what God has planned for me. Did you ever ask him? Have you spent any time in prayer? Have you, have, you, have you ever pressed into God to say, look, you might not be able to show me everything right now because it's not good for me, but show me what you can right now. Amen. Have you ever prayed that? If you haven't prayed that, pray that, please, as soon as possible. Because there's too many Christians walking around like dadas. <laughs> it's always easier to see the big picture because the big picture will show you how the pieces fit in. Amen. And it's almost never what you thought it was. So finally, the greatest obstacle that needs to be removed, the greatest pothole, the greatest ditch that needs to be removed so that we're prepared for the presence of the Lord. We're prepared to celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. The greatest obstacle that needs to be removed is the obstacle of fear. Fear cripples people. Fear is the greatest obstacle. It robs us of the reality of how much God loves us. When you're in fear, when you're, when you're paralyzed by a situation that might be going on in your life, maybe you went to the doctors and he gave you a terrible report and it paralyzes you. Paralyzes you. Maybe you're, you're fearful. You, you thought you had X amount of dollars in the bank. Then you go to find out you don't. And that, that fear takes hold of you. Maybe, maybe you're in a relationship and that relationship is broken up and now you're fearful, that you're fearful, you're paralyzed with fear, thinking I'm going to be by myself the rest of my life. You got to shake that thing off. You got to shake that. Just like Paul shook that snake into the fire, you got to shake that thing off. And let me tell you something, okay? The greatest thing you can do for yourself is when you're feeling that kind of fear, you're feeling intimidated, you're feeling oppressed, you're feeling pressed down, you feel like the devil's just breathing down your neck, is go immerse yourself in the scriptures that talk about the love of God. First John chapter 4, verse 15. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. Verse 16. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. I want to read that again. And we have known, say known, known. and believed, say believed, believed, the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Listen, okay, it's not enough to know that God loves you. Yeah, I know, I know, Pastor, I know God loves me. No, 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 it's not enough to know that God loves you. You've got to believe 
that God loves you. There's so many people that do not receive what God has for them. There's so many people that don't receive their healing. There's so many people that don't walk in prosperity. There's so many people that don't walk in peace and stability because they think God may love that person and God may love Pastor and God may love Mitch and God may love Nancy, but I don't know if God's going to love me. You know who you are. And God's saying, what more can I do? I sent my only son to the cross to prove to you the length that I would go to to show you how much I love you. It's not enough to know. It's not enough for it to, listen, listen, look at me. It's not enough to be head knowledge. It's got to be something that has grabbed your heart that you know, that you know, that you know that he loves you no matter what. Pastor, you don't know what my life has been. I don't. But honey, you don't know what mine has been. Pastor, you don't even know. You don't know what I've got myself, I've fallen into, what I've got myself trapped into. I don't know, but he knows. And he knew it before you were even born. He knew what you were going to do. He knew what you were going to get involved in. He knew the degeneracy that you were going to allow in your life. And he still chose you. And he still picked you. And he still committed himself to you. Why? Why is it so important that we not only know the love of God, but believe the love of God? I'll tell you why. Because God's unconditional love is the antidote for fear. There's so much talk right now about vaccines and preventative medicines, and we fail to realize God's love is the number one defense against fear and all the torment that it brings. Verse 18 of that same chapter, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. In other words, what he's saying here is he who fears, he who allows fear to come on them hasn't come to that place of believing that God loves you. We love him because he first loved us. Listen to the passion paraphrase. Love never brings fear, for fear is always related to punishment. But love's perfection drives the fear of punishment far from our hearts. Whoever walks constantly afraid of punishment has not reached love's perfection. Our love for others is our grateful response to the love God first demonstrated to us. Wow. Fear caused Adam and Eve to go hide themselves from the only one who could help them. They had no idea that God was for them and not against them. Listen, imagine the relief that that woman that was caught in adultery. Remember the woman in the Gospels? Imagine the relief that that woman felt that was caught in adultery because legally she was supposed to be stoned to death, which is a horrible punishment. But then she heard the words, Neither do I condemn you. Go, therefore, and sin no more. She got a second chance. Thank God he's the God of the second chance, the third chance, the fourth chance, the fifth chance, and anything else. As long as you still have breath in your lungs, you can still experience his forgiveness. Fear traps us. Because it causes us to doubt the promises of God. Fear caused the disciples to, to, to doubt the news that he had been risen from the dead. They were so afraid, they hid themselves. They thought, we're next. If they crucified him, we're done. That fear caused them to doubt. When the news came to them, he's risen. He's not in the tomb. 
We've seen them. They doubted because they were still experiencing fear. It traps us. Fear is terrible because it traps us to care more about what others think about us than what God, the Creator, desires for our life. Proverbs 29, 25, New Living Translation. Fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means safety. Listen, church, I'm wrapping this up. Fear robs us of the reality of God in our lives. It's to be avoided at all costs. Whatever's causing fear in your life, you need to defeat that thing. You need to so saturate yourself in the love of God. We're told by Bible commentators that there's 365 fear knots in the Bible. There's one for every day. Every day we can remind ourselves, I'm not going to fear. Why? Because if God is for me, who could be against me? No matter what comes at me, I got the greater one living on the inside of me. No matter what attack, no matter what stupid mistake I make, I got the greater one in me. And the main reason for this series is so that our hearts are so prepared to celebrate the depth of God's love and the commitment that he's made to us. And I pray each one of us can have the best Easter we've ever had. And I want that to start now. We prepare our hearts by declaring with our mouths the faith that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. You listening to me? Say this together, be real loud. Say this, ready, one, two, three. Father, I believe with all my heart that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe with all my heart that he died on the cross to pay for my sin. I believe that on the third day, you, Father, raised Jesus from the dead. And he's alive right now. And I'm grateful that he hears my confession of faith. Jesus, I believe in you. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Come into my heart. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you for making me a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Come on, give it up. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Consecrate yourselves from this moment, from this weekend, until we come together. Five weeks from now. Don't miss anything in between. Because every weekend, we're preparing the way for the Lord. Amen? Amen. Now listen real quickly. If anybody that's joining us online, if you said that, if you made that declaration of faith for the very first time in your life, Please indicate that. They're in that chat section. Let them know. Let the person that's hosting right now know that you prayed that prayer for the first time. Those of you that are here in person, if you made that declaration of faith for the very first time, I want you to please do not leave when we're dismissed. Come up to the front. It's only going to take a minute or two. And let the people that are up here know, I made that declaration of faith for the very first time. Why? We want to get to know who you are. We want to put a Bible in your hands. We want to give you more of the tools to prepare you so that you can prepare the way for the Lord in your own life. Amen? Amen.
Praise God. God bless you all. If you need prayer for anything, come on up. God bless you.